0: Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Mellish, Director of Events and Online Content at the Human Capital Institute, and this is Nine to Thrive HR, your source for education, expertise, and knowledge on all things talent. Today, my guest is Christy Pambianchi. Christy is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Verizon. Christy, welcome to Nine to Thrive.
1: Thank you so much, Alan, and great to be here with you.
0: It's good to be here with you. So um, I was really excited that we were able to uh, make this happen, especially because I think you have a really interesting story for our audience to hear. Um, But I want to start with getting just a general sense of what it's been like for you and also for uh, other people in your network and in the industry, really, to describe what it's been like as a human resources leader. What it's been like to balance the uh, the challenges of COVID nineteen and also uh, obviously some of the challenges associated with the uh, political upheaval that we're facing as well. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting time to be uh, head of HR. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Why, Why don't you comment on that and what that's been like for you?
1: Yeah, Alan, I think that's an understatement, right? I think that as we headed into coronavirus and we saw in January as it was beginning to emerge in China, we as many companies began to mobilize our crisis response activities and since you know the 2000 time frame we have had a number of pandemics. We had bird flu, we had swine flu, we had Ebola uh, and more. and so we had playbooks that we had scaled and built for those. And so early on, I think in that January, February time frame, it was a little bit of a zone of, let's reuse the playbook. It's a regional effort. We'll get on top of it. The world will get this under control. And as it became evident that it moved into Europe and it was on its way into parts of the United States, by the first or second week of March, we were like, okay, this is something completely different. And the case rates in Europe were staggering compared to the case rates from Asia. And then, as we saw in March, uh, particularly in the Metro New York area, they were skyrocketing in the United States. And so, I would say those first few weeks were thinking we were dealing with something we knew how to deal with, and then realizing, wow, this is something totally different. And then by you know around the March 15th time frame, really upending everything we knew about how we ran our business. You know, we we mobilized our emergency operations center, our crisis response team, daily meetings, huddles, moved at speed to put our employees to a work-from-home environment. And then I think leaders uh, of companies and heads of HR were real-time having to make up policies and decisions for how to operate the company safely at pace with and sometimes ahead of guidelines coming out of, you know, leadership organizations like the CDC or World Health Organization or governments or states or municipalities who were all simultaneously trying to figure out what is COVID? How is it transmitted? How risky is it? What can people do? What can't people do? And so it has been uh, real time. And that's how March started. Um, We pivoted similarly at Verizon. We put Almost 115,000 of our 135,000 people to work from home. We transferred people, tens of thousands of people, into various work assignments because the regular job they had couldn't be done from home. We trained people at scale. We have our retail employees that were home doing telesales or customer care, uh, catching up on and building new skills. So we really tried in a big way to pivot together. Um, we gave people. We made up new leaves, we had a COVID leave, underlying care leave, caregiver leave for people who needed to care for others with COVID. And so we've really pivoted at a dime. And then there was like a settling in. I think there was a period of thinking, this is a 12 to 16 week problem and it's gonna cycle through each of the regions of the world. And as we were peaking here, you know, Wuhan and, and China were in a period where they had no new cases. South Korea. So it was like, yeah, it's going to be about 12 to 16 weeks. It'll move through a region. We'll reopen and everything will get back to normal. And now as we've come into June, we're realizing that's probably not the case. And there'll be parts of companies that are forever changed. There will be things that we have to live with and practices that we have to live with for some time because there is no cure and there is no vaccine and it can be fatal. So I think we're in this interesting time now where we have to continue to navigate and flex our policies and the ways that we respond to COVID um, and at the same time, you know, run our companies. And so I think it's been an incredibly um, tumultuous and exciting time. And as you said, around us, various countries, and states and municipalities around the world are responding to it differently. Some are in a complete mode where they're contact tracing and testing every citizen, and some are operating with herd immunity, and some are kind of in the middle. Like, should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Can you tell me what to do? Can you not tell me what to do? And so, and then trying to comply with all of the ever-changing safety and state regulations, country regulations at the same time. Has been a pretty exciting ride as well. So, this has been, I think, one of the most challenging but also exciting times to be ahead of HR because I think it's a human crisis. And the heads of human resources should be leaders that a company and a CEO or the C suite team can rely on in a human crisis to help lead and partner with the other leaders of the company to carve a path for what that solution should look like. And someone should be that employees can look to and know that we're making decisions uh, with their best interests in mind and kind of guiding the way. And when we don't know something, we tell them we don't know. When we do know, we tell them what we know or how we're going to try to find out stuff we don't know. So it's uh, that's that's what I would say to your opening question.
0: Yeah, I really liked that part at the end, of saying you know, telling when you know something and when, and more importantly, when you don't know something, because there's a lot of Stuff that uh, we don't know yet, and then and then that changes, and then it changes again. So it's um, it's really hard to say anything for sure. It seems like these days.
1: Yeah, I mean, early on, the CDC was suggesting don't wear face coverings, not necessary, doesn't stop the transmission of COVID. And then as the disease spread became more rampant, or it's becoming more evident that asymptomatic people can carry and transmit. You know, we have shown and proven out now that. Face coverings can cut transmission by 50%. It doesn't really prevent you from contracting it. But once wearing a face mask, it's going to have a higher impact on your likelihood of keeping a social distance, not touching your face, being more conscious of how close you are with interacting with others. It will slow any aspiration from your body. So these things are you know, things that have been learned over the course of it. And there'll be new things we know in a month and the medical community is learning new things every day, right? So how we treated emergency patients in February and March with an unknown disease to what they know now after treating you know, millions of, of patients is a pretty rapid learning as well. So it's, for me, the thing that's so interesting is there is no way that an individual or a group can kind of isolate themselves and get through it. So society collectively has to figure out how to share the knowledge fast, how to adapt our behavior so we reduce the risk of exposure, particularly for the most vulnerable populations, and uh, do our best to come through it as a society. And I think at a time when there's so much division in the world, there's a problem like this that actually will only get solved if we come together. So I think that's an interesting call to action for all of us as humans as well.
0: Absolutely. And I don't want to uh, go any further without uh, giving you a chance to talk about people and work connect, because I think that it's a great point to transition to um, a, a program that you've been a big part of developing as far as how to help impacted segments of the workforce uh, keep going as far as, uh, you know, job activity and everything is concerned. So why don't you give everybody an idea of how people and work connect works and uh, some of the successes you guys have had so far.
1: Thank you so much for asking about people plus work connect. So a number of HR leaders were on a call earlier in the year in uh, mid-March and Julie Sweet, the CEO of Accenture, and Ellen Shook and Eva Sage-Gavin from Accenture were hosting the call. And there was about 40-plus CHROs on the call. And this was very real-time, lots of dialogue about what were each of us dealing with and who could send who, whose playbook, and I solved this, or this is what I did. And so really just trying to accelerate our readiness as a community to respond and craft responses in our company. But as the call ended, a few of us started a further dialogue to say... Articles are being written that this is going to be the biggest shift in the labor force since World War II, that there's going to be, you know, massive disruption and unemployment. And, you know, the economic impact on society and the economic impact on those individuals in the middle of a pandemic is devastating. So we got together and said, how can we do more than just share best practices as HR leaders? How can we take it to the next level? How can we lead a solution That can reduce the amount of time that people have economic and employment dislocation as a result of COVID. And how can we work differently as a community of HR practitioners? And so that's what led us to this idea that we stood up in about 14 days in our most viable product or most lovable version of the product, which was an HR business to business platform, free where people could go on and put where they were needing to hire or where they were needing to uh, redeploy talent. And from just following the news feeds, there was a lot of examples of XYZ company laying off 50,000 workers, XYZ company hiring 50,000 workers. And to wait for that connect point to happen um, is, is weeks and months and and maybe longer for people to get rematched. So we uh, found 10 willing Uh, Companies to be part of our original release, and we were able to make a press announcement and put the platform live with uh, over 10 companies on it the first week of April. And now, in fact, uh, you know we have our we do weekly governance and check-in calls on our platform. We've gone to Europe and Asia. We now have uh, over 125. Uh, plus companies on the platform, it's it's literally hundreds and hundreds of companies. We have um, over 350,000 posts of either talent available or jobs to be filled on the platform. And as an HR leader, you can go in if you're a member company that has. Positions or talent supply on the platform and you could search by geography by job type Once you drill down to an area and a job type You could click on the HR contact for that company or that set of jobs and then have a direct connection with the HR person at that other company Um, And it's no it's like the fastest acceleration versus emails flying around like hey I might have to redeploy some people. Are you hiring in this area? And so it's been really exciting and i think also an example of us getting outside our comfort zone and finding a way collectively as a community of hr leaders to solve a massive uh problem that we have as a society created by a pandemic outside of everybody's control lots of human lives at risk companies either being forced to shut down small businesses shutting down large businesses shut down right travel so just huge dislocation and so It's great to share best practices. I love that, I think it's amazing. Saves rework, accelerates the learning. But here we took it to another level and said, how can we do HR B2B and actually drive an accelerated outcome?
0: Yeah, I really love that story. And I think it's a great um, it's one of those things where I think at least it makes me a little bit hopeful that uh, so many of us have learned something from the uh, economic disruption that people felt uh, in the 0809 financial crisis. Like there's um, I think with technological advancements uh, plus initiatives like these, it, it may, certainly makes it easier for talent to flow uh, where it's needed most when there's a big uh, economic upheaval like this. And so I, I think that's a very hopeful um, success story for the future.
1: Well, it was so awesome. And we started talking about it with just that in mind, like, okay, we did this 10 years ago. <laughs> and m- many of us, so it was the four of us, uh, myself, uh, Lisa Buckingham at Lincoln Financial, Pat Waters at ServiceNow, and Ellen Shook at Accenture as CHROs along with Uh, Eva Sage Gavin, who's running the uh, human capital practice at Accenture to go, okay, guys, we were all in these jobs 10 years ago. What have we learned since then? And you throw AI and technology and all of the capabilities that data and platforms offer today, can't we do something way better? And That's what's been so exciting. And each of us personally has been calling other HR leaders saying, Don't you want to join this platform? Don't you want to accelerate how you can help your people? And there's been really great um, engagement about how we can come together as a community of HR leaders and show what we can do to help, you know, not only the employees in our company, but how we can help the world at large right now. I mean, a 20 to 30% unemployment scenario is pretty scary. And so, at first, folks, that we talk to you know, sometimes we're thinking, Well, but what if I compete with that company for talent? I don't want to be on the platform with them. And we said, you know, we're we're not at that phase, right? We're at the phase of 20 to 30 percent unemployment could cause a collapse of society, so we have to do everything we can to avoid that outcome or you know, accelerate the movement of people to where the jobs are so we can mitigate the time that we're at that outcome. And that was really an interesting set of dialogues to have with folks, but I think it was the right one for the time that we're in.
0: Yeah. So um, you also mentioned as we were getting started here that you transitioned a large, 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 large workforce to work from home, um, and, uh, and but also had to keep some folks on the front lines, obviously. Uh, so got, I guess I want to get dig in a little bit deeper on um, how that whole uh, process went and how you communicated it with everybody, because everybody knows the there's what happens on paper, and then there's how it goes when you take it to to your audience. So give us a thumbnail sketch of how that worked.
1: You know, the first week in March, uh, it was around the 10th, the 8th, 9th, 10th. It was becoming very evident that the disease was spreading, and really bad things were going to happen that people didn't anticipate. And one of the states closed their school system. And it was like the first of its kind. And so we started to say, hey, you know, we're going to have to think about working from home at scale. And at first, you know, I was kind of out there pushing because I was on the front lines following this. And at first, even at you know at the leadership levels, it was like, well, we we can't do that. And and even myself, we're like, well, we have ninety thousand jobs that may not lend themselves to being done remotely, and we only had four thousand of our hundred and thirty five thousand people at that time that were home based agents. So it was a huge like your heads are falling off. Like I don't know how we would do it. But this is where I think it's so exciting. People rise to the occasion. So the next day I come in and six states have closed their schools. Now it's like a Wednesday. <laughs> so I was like, hey guys. Uh, we need to announce that we're moving to work from home at scale even if we don't know down to the employee level who is impacted how it's we're going to need to send a signal that this is coming and we're going to be working with all employees to figure it out because i predicted that by the end of the weekend we would probably have 20 to 50 states that closed their school systems and governors and countries started closing their economies doing shelter in place provisions and it happened very fast so from that Wednesday to Friday, we got up and we just told all employees, we're going to move to work from home. And uh, over the course of the next five days, uh, working with your supervisor and the work that you do, we're going to pivot. And that's what we did. And what happened that accelerated it too is once it became evident that if there was a case, people had to quarantine, you had to remediate the facility, et cetera, et cetera it became so disruptive, the very concept of that. And, you know, we had asset pickup days. We Started training tens of thousands of people per day on different roles, and um, it was both scary, but also invigorating as people rose to the occasion. We had to go to our unions and say we want to do home garaging for the trucks that the technicians drive. We want to do work from home for positions that are covered by the uh, collective bargaining agreements that are designated to be on premise, and. uh, there was a point in time where we were like writing new policies every day, trying to figure out how to do this. And I would say we surprised ourselves with how well we were able to do it. But that's because to be honest, we got amazing ideas from our employees for how to do it. You know, we didn't go to them with, we're going to work from home. Here's your 18 page process document for what you need to do now. It was like, this is a crisis. Please don't come back to work on Monday. And you're now working from home and we're going to figure the rest out. And we want everybody to stay connected and productive and any bit of productivity that you can give is better than zero. And so let's figure it out together. And it was that kind of mindset, like we're in this together. The world is relying on us to keep customers connected. We need to rely on each other to help each other get through this. That I feel our employees came up with innovations for what they could do from home for our technicians or our retail store workers who had to be in the stores that we kept open for emergency connection services or for dispatching. We came up with touchless retail. We came up with new ways of doing calls where the technicians could have an app that would let them see the wires in the customer's home and the boxes. And so I think it was very exciting because... We already had a culture transformation initiative launched inside the company with Hans's CEO transition, which was Verizon 2.0, and really driving the 5G deployment and pivoting uh, the way we operated to have a highly agile, collaborative, cross-boundary teams. You know, less hierarchical, more experimentation, and all of this driven by let's serve the customer and be ready for all the things that 5G is going to offer. Let's stand on the shoulders of our prior success. But the COVID really accelerated all of those desires we had for new ways of working because of the way the crisis presented itself. And so it's been you know, amazing. The human spirit is amazing. I always say never bet against the power of humanity or the will that that folks have. So I think we saw that here.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I've heard that more than or and maybe as much as you would expect with uh, a lot of different organizations saying, you know, we were thinking about experimenting with new changes and doing this a little bit differently or doing that a little bit differently. But then with COVID, all of that got accelerated. And, uh, you know, because these kinds of crises tend to... Uh, well, they tend to focus everybody's mind a little bit, but they also make everybody think. Okay, why? You know, what kind of, what pieces of this can we get rid of, or what pieces of this are are truly essential? Versus, um, we just do it that way because we've always done it that way.
1: Right. If I had done a survey and said, "Hey, how many people can we transition to work from home?" It would have turned into a five-year roadmap, and like some thirty percent of what the goal was of what we actually accomplished. And I think that's because sometimes we strive for perfection in transformations and maybe striving for just an iteration, like get going and then perfect it might allow companies to move faster. So we are asking ourselves, too, like, what can we learn from this? Because we pivoted in a way that our employees or leaders may not have thought was possible. We're serving our customers in ways we didn't believe we could. And maybe it's everybody's being more accommodating all around or being willing to accept things aren't exactly the way they would normally be. But there's still some kernel of learning in there about what people actually can do and and how to drive change. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, unfortunately, that is the end of the discussion today. I want to encourage everybody to learn more about what's, uh, what's going on with uh, People Plus Work Connect. And also, I want to say a big thank you to Christy for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure and hearing all the great work that you guys are doing and figuring out how we can not only survive, but thrive in this uh, post-COVID world. So um, thank you for joining us on the 9 to Thrive HR.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Excellent. And just a reminder to everybody in the audience, for all ideas related to HR, please come visit us at the Human Capital Institute. We're on the web at hci.org. And don't forget to like us, rate us, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, or wherever you go for your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.